0: Welcome to Social Cast, your go-to place to learn about marketing, the latest social media news and insights. Brought to you by Social Bakers. Hi everyone. Welcome to the next podcast episode from Social Bakers. Today, we have Rand Fishkin join us. Rand is a co-founder of both Moz and SparkToro, and an author of the book Lost and Founder. I think he knows the industry better than most people out there. So this should be a really curious conversation. Without further ado. Let's dive in. Well, Rand, thanks so much for uh coming on our podcast. This is a pretty big deal. Of course, our audiences know you and I'm sure uh they they are eager to to hear from you. What do you have to say about social media marketing and, and um the future of marketing just in general?
1: Yeah, thank you, you for having me. Good to be here.
0: <laughs> and uh if what what point in in time do we can catch you? Which point in your career are you 100% uh, Spark Toro now, or w- what are you focusing on?
1: Yep, been uh, 100% Spark Toro for the last what two years and nine days, uh, and I I'm very much enjoying it. It's it's exciting to get to build a company from scratch, especially having some experience in doing that, and you know knowing what you did right and wrong last time, and what you want to do differently this time. Uh, it's been a great journey. So SparkToro is in early access launch right now. So mm-hmm. we basically got a few thousand people who signed up for, you know, to get early access to the product via email. And we've been inviting those in groups of a few hundred every few days. Um, and then we hope to have a public launch in the next yeah two to four weeks or so.
0: And uh how deeply are you still involved in in SEO? Is it just a hobby that you, you know, is forever gonna be in your blood?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair fair assessment. Um I've still got a lot of obviously friends and colleagues in the SEO space and uh a number of folks in SEO who also do kind of outreach marketing and and um those forms, you know, PR and those sorts of things mm-hmm. uh, have been SparkToro customers as well. And I, I'm i technically still on the board of directors at Moz. Um, although that's a pretty light mm-hmm. obligation these days. And I, you know, I still write about SEO sometimes, um, speak at conferences and events, that sort of thing.
0: Of course. Uh, well, maybe to kick off this uh, discussion here. So if you look at... Um... Over kind of the course of your entire career from starting in moz and then and then in spark toro here um, what has really changed uh, and what is kind of surprising to you about uh 2020 if you kind of look back um you know when you were starting off was it two thousand and four for for moz or what, when was it
1: uh I started working at the company that became Moz in two thousand and one but didn't start right. Yeah, so we we changed the name to SEO What was that? Two thousand four. I started the blog for it in two thousand three. So yeah, mm-hmm. around that time.
0: Right. So it's it's you've seen enough. And so uh, twenty twenty. What's kind of surprising to you about uh, where we are now as marketers as businesses? If you kind of look back, you know, five or ten years ago, what would you have totally not predicted?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Good. Good question. Uh. So there's obviously been some big change, but I, I feel like many of them have been telegraphed uh, and reasonably mm-hmm. iterative. So they, we've been able to observe them. We've sort of known that they're coming for a long time. I might mm-hmm. say one thing that surprises me, um, yeah, surprises me a good deal. I'm not sure we could have seen it five or 10 years ago, is how a small group of people and developers um, and lobbyists focused on privacy, web privacy, hmm. um, even though a majority of consumers don't actually care very much about it. Um, you know, I think when you when you see people saying, hey, do you support this or would you trade, I don't know, ad relevance or, you know, um, right. your, your Amazon shopping in exchange for more privacy? And they're, they're sort of, no, I, I wouldn't trade those things. Um, but a small group of privacy advocates and I think more substantively uh, Google and Facebook's lobbying efforts have meant that privacy has become a big challenge for a lot of marketers and a lot of businesses that aren't Google and Facebook, right? Essentially, the big monopolies mm-hmm. have made sure that through GDPR and the California privacy laws and, and privacy laws and regulations in other uh, geographies as well as uh, technology issues, right? Firefox and Chrome yeah. adopting these uh, very privacy-centric policies toward third-party cookies and cookie tracking overall, uh, ability to track people over you know longer periods than 90 days, all that kind of stuff has meant that marketers' jobs have become much, much more challenging for tracking purposes. Um, and sort of only the big monopolies get to benefit from this. Mm-hmm. so they've they've engineered the laws to um, to their advantage. and it sucks, right? because most of the most of the privacy problems I think that people um, experience are Google, Facebook, Amazon, um, but most of the solutions right. have protected those companies and harmed everyone else. So, eh, late stage capitalism at its finest, right?
0: Yeah, I I would have lost that uh, bet as well just to, and it wasn't so long ago when the mood was sort of very positive around that it just took a few sort of uh you know moments where we lost a lot of trust and now we're you know in a different parallel uh universe.
1: It's funny, right? Because the people who lost trust at uh, Facebook primarily, right? But but Google as well uh are not the ones who are being sort of um Excoriated or punished for their behavior, in fact they're being rewarded by the fact that nobody else can track users and visitors, but those companies mm-hmm. can that's uh
0: yeah it's pretty spooky uh all right well, our audience are actually um marketers that use these platforms really mostly so they're they're social media marketers and uh if you kind of look at social media right now uh what's your impression of um this specific area, has it kind of find, found its uh, role by now in, in business? And what is that role, in, in your opinion?
1: I would say it has somewhat found a role in business, but it really depends on what, um, you know, what types of business we're referring to. I think there's still a lot of niche sectors in B2B that are, um, not as impacted by Mm -hmm. social. I think there's plenty of niche sectors in industrial and manufacturing and even services industry uh, where social is not as prominent. It is still more of a consumer platform than it is a business platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's surprising to me, I would, I would say it's very surprising to me that LinkedIn remains the only business centric social platform. Uh, that's right. not to say that businesses don't use youtube and twitter and you know even to some degree facebook and instagram and reddit but just that uh, those corollaries of those have not popped up in the um more business focused spaces uh, particularly b2b and mm. that that surprises me a good bit
0: yeah that was a, a sort of a push from facebook to go into the 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 job section a couple of years ago but it's yeah, different different priorities today. So.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, where and if you had to make a guess, where where are we going with this with the social media area specifically? Is there more value to be squeezed out of it, or or what? What's your take here?
1: Um, I do absolutely believe that we will continue to see growth in this sector. I think that more and more businesses, uh, more and more individuals will. Uh, not only use these platforms, but rely on them more and more, and there'll be more creative uses as, uh, you know, younger cohorts of heavy social users, people who grew up with social media, um, you know, become the the mainstream consumers mm-hmm. and uh, job holders and, you know, executives of the world. I would say... Right. Um, I think one thing that's tough to know is how that's going to progress, right so it it could be the case that social media for a long time remains in the state it is now, which is generally very consumer centric in its focus uh, or it could be that maybe that maybe that transition we talked about of um, you know these platforms replicating in one form or another uh, for more business centric functions for more commerce centric functions, uh, perhaps that's only a few years away. I know many folks have talked about how Instagram maybe is the next, you know, online retail platform that still feels far away. Um, There's plenty of commerce happening via Mm -hmm. Instagram, but it does not yet feel like a platform for that to me
0: right but at least it feels from from the platforms them, themselves that's kind of what they're trying to to get at like that's the the race to to the goal i suppose it's at some point
1: yeah i think there's definitely some focus there um i one thing that's really interesting right we're um you know we're having this conversation at the i think that at the start of an economic recession that's predicated mm-hmm. on uh covid-19 and that so That to me um, suggests right that a lot of behavior historic behavior is going to shift even more online than it has been, and so we might see an uptick mm-hmm. in uh, online commerce of all kinds and um, an uptick in media consumption and an uptick in what do I want to call that uh, just online attention as a whole, right more people at uh-huh. home on their computers regularly means more consumption of stuff on the internet, um, and less consumption of stuff on the, in the real world. So that, that might, uh, who knows, right. That could trigger, um, another rise in the effectiveness of social media for marketers and businesses
0: as well. Yeah, this is kind of an uh, yeah, maybe awkward uh, time to be asking questions about the future because really who knows like <laughs> it's yeah, such yeah. a strange moment in history here.
1: Well, it's it's sort of interesting, right? So one of the things that was um surprising to me, so we, Moz had my my last company which made SEO software, right? Uh started in whatever it was, you know, 2004 with the consulting practice and then Uh, into in in 2007, switched over to be a software company. But 2008, I mean, I remember very well that we were essentially releasing our big product that we had raised venture capital to build. Uh, We released it the same week that Lehman Brothers collapsed, right? So Mm. the the week of the start of the financial crisis, which this this week feels very much like that week. um, In terms of a you know, news perspective and what my email inbox looks like and what conversations with friends look like. And uh that, you know, I think that was a really scary time. And also it was a phenomenal time to build an online business. Right. The cohorts mm-hmm. of companies that um started and grew from, you know, 08, 09, 2010, uh turned into extraordinary investments for their investors and for their founders. You know, Moz had seven years of growth. Starting then, had seven years of hundred percent year-over-year growth, uh, up to about 30 dollars in revenue. And um, a big, I think, a big part of that was uh, adoption and growth of the online field. Right, more people um, were searching. Google kept growing. Um, the economic downturn meant that. There was a lot more opportunity for people looking to shift their budgets from, you know, paid forms of marketing to uh, in the real world to uh, online forms of marketing that they felt could have a higher ROI. And one of those, of course, was SEO. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if right now is also an amazing time, you know, now and over the next five years, also an amazing time to build certain kinds of businesses.
0: Right. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, if I may take the conversation back to the day to day and a little bit about the marketing departments and social media. Uh, when you look at around the marketing departments, um, what has uh, changed maybe most in terms of how they're organized? Uh, uh, which roles are actually playing an increasingly important role uh, at the decision making for businesses?
1: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, my sense is that. Over the last five years, that has not shifted all that much. Maybe over the last ten is where we've seen more significant shift, and probably the biggest one there is the change from uh, the website and web technology for most businesses being under the de- a, a technology department, mm-hmm. uh, and instead going to a marketing department. Right. So for from say 1995 to 2000. 10, even to some degree, 2015, you had a lot of CIOs and CTOs or VP technologies uh, who controlled the website, right? The business website, uh, right. whether you're B2C or B2B didn't matter. That has changed where 90% now of, uh, you know, web technology of all kinds is under the office of the CMO or the VP marketing or at least the marketing department. I think that's a good change, right? Because that's where that's where it actually matters, right? The mm-hmm. website is not a an infrastructure piece for a business. It is a marketing tool. Uh, and so this is this is a wise change. It just took a while.
0: Yeah, it's 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 nice to see it. took It took a while, but it, it's it's nice to see that we're really trying to see uh, how how is our business perceived from the the end user uh, no matter what that experience is as before you become a customer or or you know after you're a customer right yeah uh and about the you know if if you kind of had to look at the marketing mix today and maybe maybe a couple of years from now uh 5 years what what is changing there is there going to be um, less paid uh, more uh organic uh anything else mm mm-hmm. mhm Um,
1: I think there is going to be growth and opportunity in both paid and organic, but one thing Mm -hmm. we can say for certain on paid is that it keeps getting more and more expensive, right? And that is Mm -hmm. because, that's for a bunch of reasons, right? But one of those is uh, the platforms themselves have made paid the preferred methodology Right. So Mm -hmm. Facebook has basically made it such that it's very hard to get click traffic out of Facebook on the organic side. You can see today, right, that organic click through rates on Facebook are like zero point zero seven percent or something. And, you know, years ago, they were in the one to five percent range. So we've we've lost two orders of magnitude there nearly. Uh, There's also the reality that um, the. The platforms have become very, one of the only places, the paid platforms have become one of the only ways you can thoroughly track your visitors and your conversions. Mm-hmm. And they know that. And so since that is attributable ROI, businesses, you know, CFOs and CMOs are willing to put a lot more money behind those, right? Because they can prove mm-hmm. to themselves very easily, hey, this is ROI positive, so let's put money here. Well, uh, what about investments in, social media marketing? What about investments in SEO? What about investments in content marketing? What about investments in video? Blah, 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 blah. And all of those things are, yeah, yeah, they're nice to have, but it's hard to prove ROI. So they're going to get, you know, a 10th or 100th the budget that paid is going to get. And the platforms know this, and this is an intentional move. So even if it's true that by investing in your organic Facebook presence, your organic Twitter presence, your organic LinkedIn presence, whatever, even if that has 10 times the ROI, you can't prove it, right? And they right. and they have made sure you can't prove it. And so by making it hard to attribute, uh, they know that they'll get way more budget put to, to paid. Uh, on the organic side, I think what's interesting is there's going to be a lot less, there already is, right? The last three to five years, especially, there is a shift from hey, we should use these platforms primarily to um, post things, right? To to put up content that will lead back to clicks on our website uh, because the platforms have again, right? Twitter wants to keep you on Twitter, so you know you send a you send a tweet that gets whatever X amount of engagement, mm-hmm. X amount of retweets, X amount of comments, blah 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 blah. That is going to perform worse if it has an external link in it and better if it has no external link in it, right? Twitter will show it to more people because Twitter knows we want to keep people on Twitter. So quit showing them freaking content with links. Well, at least as much, right? LinkedIn does this. Facebook does this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the tests around Instagram where people have put the Mm -hmm. um, link in bio, Right, yeah, and when they, they test, test the posts with the, with that text, those underperform the ones that have no LinkedIn bio. Um, right, so really? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, Instagram's yeah. not dumb, right? Like, yeah. keep people on Instagram. Don't let them click the freaking profile and go to your
0: website. That's going to drive people away. If they want to yeah. do that, make them pay. Um, yeah, and that, that's the that's actually the most used. Uh, advertising objective on Instagram. When we looked at our data in the last quarter, it said that's that's what most marketers are paying for is getting clicks through Instagram. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. So right. I think what that means is that organic is going to shift. Organic social will shift from driving links and clicks, which which is already shifting uh, to using them as essentially a brand vehicle. Right, get more people to know us, like us, trust us, have heard of us, think about us, associate us with the problem and the product, and uh, we're going to have to treat social a lot more like billboards, radio, TV—you know, things that drive Mm -hmm. indirect,
0: but not a click. Yeah, should there be maybe a move also to towards just better attribution of those things like content marketing and? uh... You know, PR, those areas that you mentioned I mean, earlier? I I don't know about that,
1: right? The, every technological leap in attribution requires some level of tracking, and every right. kind of tracking is going away. So my suspicion is marketers will get savvier about using indirect forms of measurement, right? So brand lift, you know, time series data, geographic data, those kinds of things, uh, survey data. Right. Um, Yeah. But those are. (laughs) Let's be frank, right? Those are crap compared to the attribution that you get with paid social or paid search or paid display where you can see exactly how many people got the impression, how many got the click, how many of them converted, how long it took. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead, we're going to be looking at, well, You know, we ran this clever, creative campaign on Instagram. We got this many likes and new follows. And we can see brand lift looks like over the next 30 days, it had a halo effect impact of X. But who knows, because we were also doing simultaneously this content campaign or that paid campaign or, you know, this. We got these uh, mentions in the press. We had this event. So it's very hard to tease out what had the impact. Mm -hmm. Marketers who have more creativity, who have a longer leash, who have more faith in their abilities, who are willing to accept that a lot of marketing is serendipitous rather than perfectly trackable. uh, Those, I think, will be the ones who win in the future.
0: All right. Well, what should then be the, 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 let's say, the, on the priority list for the CMO if they want to win in that game uh, currently.
1: You got to convince your CEO and your CFO uh, to stop being addicted to the tracking of the last 15 years and start getting used to um, time series, brand lift, making investments that feel right rather than that are provable. Uh, and that, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, those folks, they like numbers, right? That's going to be a hard mm-hmm. uphill battle. But if you win that battle, uh, you can do some extraordinary things.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, what about uh, kind of maybe data ownership? So if you can't do the tracking, you know, across, across third-party websites, so forth, what about visitors to your your site? You know, I suppose that's yeah. still valid. That data is still accessible. It's
1: <laughs> That data is still valid, still accessible. It's just going to be very tough to measure where it comes from, right? So if if a thousand people are exposed to your Instagram content and 10 of them, because of that exposure over the next, let's say, 120 days, uh, end up buying something or buy more than they would have ordinarily from you, how are you going to show that? Hmm. And the answer is, yeah, you're really not. Right? You're, you're not going to be able to show that. All you're going to be able to show is implicit correlation. right? And that, um, I think that's very much a faith-based uh, form of marketing. And so there's going to be certain CEOs and CFOs who are big believers in that. A lot of those are going to be people who've seen brand advertising work in the past and brand, uh, brand marketing investments have lift in the past. And there's going to be a lot of people who are locked into the ways of thinking of the last 15, 20 years. And they're going to say, you can't prove it to me. So we're not making those investments. We're putting it toward paid. And they're going to see a lower return on investment because paid is very, very expensive. And everybody likes to prove their numbers. So everyone's going to right, drive up the costs of bidding for those, those ad slots.
0: Yeah, it surely feels like a step back in time, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, yeah, we're going back. We're going back to the '80s, back to the '90s, right?
0: Yeah. What What are your priorities, if I may ask, at uh, Sparktorial? What's What's really on your agenda?
1: Uh, I mean, we are thinking really hard about how to stay laser focused on our on solving this one problem. Not getting not getting too far ahead of ourselves uh, in terms of trying to do everything for everyone. You know, we want to um, we want to stay small. So keep it just the two of us for as long as we can. Uh, We want to make sure that we are delivering incredible value to our, our customers uh, rather than trying to expand our market, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, Yeah. So very different focus, right from, from Moz, which was venture backed and therefore, you know, had this sort of requirement of grow the market, get the growth rate up, um, you know, find a way to get to hundred million in revenue at, hopefully 20% or more growth rate year over year, uh, for SparkToro, we are, you know, we're just trying to find what is, um, you know, what is the right path for us where we're still so early stage. We We only have, what do we have? Maybe 140, 150 customers so far from our early access launch, which is wonderful, right? That's way ahead of our expectations, but, um, you know, we want to make sure that we're serving them really well before we uh, get ahead of ourselves.
0: Yeah, that, that reminds me, I, I caught your article somewhere where you were speaking about this exact thing that, you know, before you really go out there with, with new products, new features just kind of, you know, really make sure they work on the few customers that you care about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan sense. of uh, having an exceptional product at launch, especially if you know you're going to get a lot of eyeballs.
0: Makes sense. Um, Kind of a maybe, I, I cannot do this podcast without asking an SEO question. Um, what are you kind of geeking out about in terms of SEO? To, what, what, what's what's on your mind?
1: Uh, I mean, I think one of the things that the industry is paying a lot of attention to now that they weren't, say, two, three years ago is uh, Google's sort of entering of many different markets and the cannibalization of traffic and clicks that comes from that. Right, so Google getting mm-hmm. into travel, flights, hotels, lyrics, obviously weather they've been in for a long time, but sports scores, um, you know the uh, instant answers to many many different mm-hmm. questions. Google jobs, Google colleges, right? So they're just entering sector after sector after sector, and when they do that, a lot of opportunity disappears for websites that are not owned by Alphabet. Um, That is, that is something I, I don't know if geek out is the right word. How about have serious concerns that the, um, that our, uh, legal system is not effectively treating Google as a monopoly that's abusing its power. Um, and so, you know, I've been fighting that fight a little bit, talking to, uh, you know, some members of Congress talking to some attorneys general from, from the States. Um, yeah. Talking to mm. folks even in the EU about this issue and and hoping to um, just bring a little more awareness around that and, and help uh, further the conversation so that hopefully Google is held to account for their behavior. Right. I mm. think there's two reasonable, there's two reasonable viewpoints, right? One, one is, I think whatever, you know, you might think if you're listening to this podcast, you might think, hey, Google is a great search engine and they're doing a better job than any of the other ones. So why are we giving them a hard time? I believe, you know, I, listener, believe that we should change the laws so that uh, it is legal for monopolies to, in one sector, to use their monopoly power to enter other sectors, which I disagree Mm -hmm. with, right? I don't think that's right or fair, but hey. People are allowed different, different political opinions. Uh, and then, or the other view is Google is obviously abusing this and violating these laws. We should hold them to account just like we would hold anyone else to account. Um, and the laws should be applied mm. fairly. And that's that's what I generally believe.
0: Uh, well, what does this look like from a marketer's point of view? So you just have to kind of, you have to do even more work to figure out what content to do so that, People actually go and and, and revisit you, come back and return.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny, right? So a lot like we were talking about with social, where the activity and action is staying on the platform, Google is trending in that direction as well, where with featured snippets and instant answers and Google entering all these spaces, a lot of the content that you create is keeping visitors on Google rather than sending them to your website. Uh, I I did a study last year showing that in the summer, uh, less than half of all Google searches now result in a click. Right. So, um, if you go across right. billions of searches, which I, I use jump shots, clickstream data uh, to analyze, and basically, you know, okay, what percent led to a click on a website? Um, it, the answer was about forty nine percent as of what was that July of twenty nineteen. So big. Uh, big shift, right? That's, um, yeah, a
0: big, big challenge.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a change from many years ago. Now, granted, in your sector, it might be much higher, right? Maybe it's still 70% or 80%. Um, but you've got to be prepared for the fact that Google could at some point start to provide instant answers in your niche, keeping a lot more people on Google. And then you have to figure out two things, right? One, do I want to keep making investments in searches that don't lead to a click? And also, do I want to invest in on SERP SEO, right? On the search mm-hmm. engine result page uh, forms of marketing. Essentially the same thing that you do for Instagram, where you create content that you know will keep people on Instagram, but keep them engaged and get them familiar with your brand. Do you want to do that for Google?
0: Yeah, that that's, that is a, a huge challenge because I, I don't think we're treating Google as that platform and already marketing you know resources they're so uh spread really thin like we're on so many channels currently right right so treating google as another another platform yeah um rand uh where where can we find more stuff uh that you're doing right now is is there a blog send us to a blog Um, uh should we follow you on linkedin what's the best place to catch up with what you're doing
1: yeah, I am most active on Twitter, where I'm at Rand Fish. Uh, and then we do have a blog for Spark Toro, and I, I write about a lot of the issues we've been talking about today. Uh, that's just sparktoro.com slash blog.
0: Beautiful. And uh, I've been just—I'm uh, almost through your your book, Lost and Founder, and it's uh, cool. recommended it to everyone listening. Is it's just there's there's so many insightful little things there that you can just take away. I imagine no matter what business you're really working in, but it's of course especially applicable to to our sector here at Social Breakers. So thanks well, a lot well, for, for <laughs> writing that up. It's like a guide.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you, and I really hope we get you back on uh, again when Spark Toro is in full motion.
1: Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Sounds great.